You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I don't know what kind of drugs those guys are taking before. But I want them. <laughs> Just to get out of bed, man. Oh. <laughs> Getting in bed sometimes. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Every week, Travis Curra. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra. It is Brazilian Thai. And the talk of CFL Twitter this week is Slurpee Cups. I never thought that that would be a point of contention at week four of the CFL season. CFL fans will find anything to pitch about. I wonder if Let's CFL, be real. I wonder if 7-Eleven's like, ooh, what did we get into here? Yeah. Like, I mean, they'll never... They'll never st- do any, I don't think they could do much to stop me or you from going to 7-Eleven. That's true. Like, I mean, that's basically what we grew up on because yeah. we're, we're, we didn't, we're not, we didn't just become degenerates in our thirties. This has been, this has been building for years. This is two loves of our lives getting yeah. married. Yeah. It's like it, you think it would be heartbreaking, but it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> so look, I want Every cup that I, yeah, every cup that I can get. For a few years, 7 Eleven came out with uh, WWE Super Big Belt Cups for SummerSlam. I would go into the 7 Eleven, buy a Super Big Culp, and pay full price for the other cups just so Mm -hmm. I had them all. And I think there are a lot of CFL fans that would do the same for the Slurpee Cups. Unless you're in Quebec. Yeah, where they, I guess, don't have them. I guess they don't have them in Ottawa, and which is so different compared to in in the West. Because a few years ago, Seven Eleven basically took over some Esso stores. So, there's got to be 150 Seven Elevens in Edmonton alone, and that we might be undercutting it. Only, we only have thirty three thousand people in Lloyd, and there's three Seven Elevens. Exactly. So uh, fans are desperate to get in on some of these Slurpee Cups. I checked five local stores in my area. There weren't any. I'm so going today. Okay. I got to go, go buy new underwear for work. So I'm going to hit all three 7-Elevens. And they are saying that they should have more cups in stores as of Monday anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can help your boy out with some uh, CFL Slurpee Cups, you know where to find me, man. You know where to find me. He's down in the gutter outside of a 7-Eleven <laughs> waiting for a cup. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by ATB. And if you want to donate to your favorite charities, do it through ATB Cares because ATB Cares is a platform that allows you to donate and have your donation matched by ATB to further your impact. ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to Alberta non-religious charities to an annual limit of $360,000. Eligible charities may receive up to $5,000 in matching per year and individual donations qualify for a maximum donation match of $500. Donors automatically receive electronic tax receipts. Visit atbcares.com. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right, week four is here. The Calgary Stampeders are on by this week. And week four is pretty wild. First time since 2004 that there are three undefeated teams heading into the week. And one interesting stat that the league provided, only 23% of challenges have been successful this year. It hasn't been pretty when it comes to that department from the coaches. Well, I mean, some of the challenges they're throwing out there. Last year, it was just fishing, you know. They're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. Like, And there's still a lot of fishing. Like, I, I think we should be getting rid of the pass interference um reviews just because it's you have to 
you have to call that lot now if it's blatant i get it yeah um but when we're getting looking for tiki tack calls just to, because you're down four and you need a touchdown i hate that um or turnovers obviously automatically reviewed, but for catches and stuff like that, like yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But when you're looking for when you're fishing for penalties, it's just it's a piss off and it just it's boring. It's not as bad as it was a few years no. ago um, when they first started. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Because now you blow that one challenge, then you mm-hmm. know you're done for the game. Instead of mm-hmm. some back to back garbage like we were seeing for a little while there. But you're right. Slow something down to one one thousandth of a second, and there's going to be pass interference in almost every play. Yeah. But how do you bring something into the game and then pull it back? The NFL did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's an interesting conversation. I'm okay without review. Uh, I think we need it. Like some flagrant things, because I get it. Humans make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, like offsides or uh, procedure. I mean, if you get drawn offside, it's totally different. Then yeah, it should be a procedure call, and, and you know, figuring. But that's not like that's eye in the sky kind of stuff. Like exactly. Like, yeah. Catches. Uh, Fumbles. Down by like contact. That fumble like yeah that stuff i mean it's so hard to see if a guy's arm is down before the ball pops out in a pile and if you can get a camera on it it's great get the get the call right the only thing is yeah you see we gotta get these calls right but you only get one shot at it and if your coach is wrong well you're screwed for the rest of the game if they make three more wrong calls they're not getting it right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there's no perfect equation here like it's the crapshoot Thursday Night Football, presented by 7-Eleven, has the BC Lions as two-and-a-half-point favorites. I know favorites. what I'm having for supper now. <laughs> it's, it's been decided. The Lions are slight favorites over the Ottawa Red Blacks, but they played the last game of last week against Toronto, beat them handily. First game of this week, traveling east across the country. Ty, you had an interesting stat on this one. Uh, so since 2012... I, I went back. I was going to start with just Thursday night. And I'm like, well, sometimes teams play the mm-hmm. Monday, Friday, right? So I, I spent four days of rest or less for teams on the road. They're 25 and 41 in the last 10 seasons. Ooh. And their point differential is minus 231. From 2017 to 2019, it was an eight game, there was an eight-game losing streak in there for the away teams. Oh, on wow. Short rest. And how do, how does it happen where the Lions are on a short week and Ottawa's coming off the bye? That's like, just I, great scheduling. I guess it's, yeah, part like, of the I schedule. It's tough to make a schedule for a nine-team league and mm-hmm. stadium. I get it, but, yeah. That, that, that's something that should never happen. The over-under is set at 48 this week, and Nathan Rourke has the highest completion percentage through two games for a quarterback in CFL history, 87.8%. Ricky Ray, who will be on the show on Monday, had the previous record through two games in 2013. He had 84.9% completion percentage. So Nathan Rourke's in uh, good company with a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, not not a bad guy to be uh, in that company with, that's for sure. (laughs) They've also tied the lead record, league record, set by the 92 Argos for the most points through two games, 100. Was that like like Rocket? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that that makes sense. That's that, that, that 103 points in two games. Like, give me a break. It's incredible. And, I mean, they got, I don't want to, take away from what they've done, but we knew what Edmonton was or was going to be rebuild. And then they get Toronto flying across the country late game. Like those first two games were kind of handed to them. And yes, you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. And they did that. Now they're getting, now we can see how they're going to go through some adversity here. Yeah. I don't think anything will really shock me if they go to Ottawa and they put up another 40 points. I, that I, would shock me. I, I don't know if I would be complete. I, I would just say, look at this. I mean, more history, yeah. you know, yeah. like I, I, I don't think it's impossible. I, I will say it's unlikely, though. Yeah. <laughs> if they're going to be if they go going to win, I, I would not be surprised, though. Yeah. 
That but, but they go into this week though without some, mm-hmm. or at least one of the best playmakers we've seen in the CFL over the past decade. Brian Burnham is on the six-game injured list. He's got punctured lung, banged up ribs. It's just a not good situation. Patrice on special. Yeah, exactly. So James Butler, he looks like he's good to go. Ola Combo's listed on the depth chart as being ready to go. Still going <laughs> to call him questionable there. I think either way, yeah. remarkable that he's listed there. I think one player we should probably highlight is receiver Keon Hatcher. He's under $4,000 on CFL Fantasy, double digits in two straight games, and he slides into Brian Burnham's spot. I know we're talking about maybe the Lions slowing down this week going to Ottawa, but with the volume and the amount of times and amount of pass attempts, Hatcher seems like he's going to be able to get some opportunities. Hatcher is 11 for 12. Wow. Receptions to targets. Uh, you know, he's at, he's got 123 yards touchdown averaging 14.7 points in the two games where he's got targets. Uh, or no, I guess, no, I'm sorry. That was a bye week. So that's why there's nothing there, but uh, you know, averaging 10 points per game where he is involved in the offense. Like that's nothing to shake his stick at 4,000 bucks. He's lining up in a spot where, you know, Burnham is a huge part of yeah. that offense. Uh, and if he, if it, if it can be like a plug and play kind of thing, and we could, we could easily see a hundred yards and a touchdown from Keon Asher this week. Do you have a way to sort this in your fancy spreadsheet there? Guaranteed. Uh, the most points per dollar. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God. No, I'm not <laughs> doing that because the dollars change every week. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I can't just highlight everybody and, it makes a complete mess. If somebody wanted to do that and send it to me, I'll do it. But I'm not doing it. I would say that Hatcher, I mean, he's less I, than $4,000. He's got to yeah. be uh, some good value if they're going to keep throwing him the ball. Uh, it does look like receiver Josh Pearson is going to get onto the Lions roster for his CFL debut. On the other hand, I should mention Ottawa's defense, Abdul Kana, is on the one-game injured list. So that does take some CFL experience out of the Red Blacks secondary. Uh, Josh Howell is going to be back onto the roster playing safety this week. But in general, the Red Blacks were able to use that bye week to get some impact players back into the lineup. And William Powell is going to be making his season debut starting at running back for the Red Blacks this week. And I, I think that's going to be a good and nice addition to that lineup Thursday night. Yeah, you're going to take William Powell in your lineup as long as your offensive coordinator is competent, uh, you know, every day of the week. Like, I mean, he has just under 5,000 rush yards and just under 900 carries. Like, I mean, the guy puts up numbers, 28 touchdowns in his career. Uh can catch the football out of the backfield, put up yards that way too. He's averaging 15.1 fantasy points a, a game. Like, wow. This is a guy that, yeah. And that was even, that that includes the Saskatchewan seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Where they didn't run it. <laughs> they didn't run it. Right? And, and against Ottawa, he averages 15.3. And I, like, I mean, you look at the fantasy points, like, well, I mean, what is that? He's putting up points. He's putting up yards, getting in the end zone. You know, he's, He's a, he can be a big part of any offense in this league. Running in general has been down this season. And I, I saw this stat. It kind of blew my mind. Two CFL teams are averaging over five yards a carry. Do you know who they are? It kind of surprised me. BC. Yeah, they're one. Thank you, David Mackey and James Butler in the first two games. <laughs> Like I know Morrow's been putting up a lot of fantasy points, but he had returns. Well, no, yeah, it would be Jamal Morrow because he was – was he not leading the league after week three? It's actually uh, Montreal averaging over five yards a carry. Uh, they just, yeah, but Antwi doesn't give me friggin' points. Yeah, well, I mean, when, when uh, you know, once every ten carries, he's getting a 70-yard mm-hmm. run or whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, it's like <laughs> the average. <laughs> that one – 
that one's blown my mind. Montreal getting five and a half yards a carry. BC six and a half. While the Riders are third with four point seven yards a carry I wasn't so far. far off. You weren't far off. Well done. Well done. It's almost like I watch every game. <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> now. I think we'll learn something about Ottawa here too, mm-hmm. because I mean, they, they, yeah, they're they're zero and two, and they only got into the end zone once against Winnipeg, but it's also Winnipeg, right? Yeah, they're ridiculous. And Jeremiah Mazzoli had two consecutive three hundred passing yard games. I mean, the key is that they need to finish drives. We we can yes. agree on that. L- Lewis Ward. I mean, he wins another special teams player of the year. Yeah. What does that get you other than like a 6-12 and 12 record and you miss the playoffs again? Yeah. But as much as we talk about BC's offense, their secondaries, they're going to be giving B- Mozzoli and the Red Blacks some fits as mm-hmm. well. But so far this season, he's liking to throw to the familiar target, Jalen Acklin. He has 35 fantasy points through two weeks. Maybe this is a good one in the nation's mm-hmm. capital for the red out, they're calling it, at uh, TD <laughs> Place. <laughs> well, and like you mentioned Jalen Acklin. His career average is only 9.6. He was not a huge part of that offense in, in Hamilton, and now you know, he comes over to Ottawa with Mazzoli, and just that familiarity is just gonna just gives him a great a great target and a weapon in that offense. You add in Darvin Adams, I mean, who isn't? I don't want to say like he's not, you know, one of the elite receivers, but he can make plays. Well, and he does the dirty work. He he's a good blocker. One hundred percent. It's that that Winnipeg offense wasn't focused on the passing yeah, the ball. No, and I mean, when you have Andrew Harris, why would you? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have Zach Claros and Matt Nichols as your quarterbacks for most of your career, why would you want them throwing the football? But <laughs> well, Andrew Claros has been pretty good. Not, but I mean, Ottawa has the weapons, uh, you know, at the receiver position, and with Masoli being able to 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 find those weapons, and not only do that in the pocket but under pressure, because he's mobile enough where he can create his own opportunities. And like you said, that BC secondary can give them fits. That's one thing where his mobility is going to really help him because if there's coverage, you can see covered sacks all the time. He mm-hmm. might be able to escape those and make plays. And if guys are coming back to the football, he's got the ability to put up numbers and, and squeak out a win. A change at right tackle for the Red Blacks in this game too. Dino Boyd uh, looks like he's going to be out with a foot injury. Randy Richards gets onto the roster at right tackle for the Red Blacks. Speaking of foot injuries... Did you see Valerie Nakushkin's foot that he was putting in a skate every night? Oh my god! <laughs> I heard about some of the injuries oh, that the Lightning yeah. were every playing year, with. Every year comes out, right? And yeah, Colorado the same thing. But yeah, you want to look at a foot injury? That one's fun. I don't know what kind of drugs those guys are taking before, but I want them <laughs> just to get out of bed, man. Oh. <laughs> Getting in bed sometimes hurts. <laughs> There is only one Canada Day game this week. It's the Hamilton Tiger Cats, seven-point favorites over the Edmonton Elks. 46.5 points is where the over-under is set at this week. Dane Evans, 2-0 in his career against Edmonton, while Nick Arbuckle is 1-2 against Hamilton. This is This is another big one, but... Hamilton, they well, they need it. I mean, both teams need it. They're both winless. Owen is going to leave either Hamilton or Edmonton. But hey, what if it's a tie? That is what if it's a tie. <laughs> hey, it could be. It could be. Hamilton got off to a great start when they were home against Calgary. They're going to want to get off to that similar start against Edmonton. They're just going to want to have a better second half. They just need to keep the pedal down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not worried about the comeback against the Elks as much as you would be against Bo and that Stampeders team. Uh, and, I mean, right now, if you're Hamilton, I don't want to say that you're not respecting your opponent and you're looking past them, but you have to look at the Elks and be like, okay, they are not necessarily in turmoil, but they're turning stuff over at an they alarming are. rate every week. Stuff is changing. 
you'd have to take advantage get the W this week because it it's not going to get easier as the season goes on. It's the Chris Jones process, just yeah. trying to find that correct combination to uh, put and, out there and, every and week. you got to beat him before he finds it. Yeah. So once he finds <laughs> it, that team's going to start clicking, and it's not going to be fun to go into Edmonton or yeah. even have Edmonton come to wherever you are. I'd say even come Labor Day, I don't think the Elks are going to be very yeah. fun to play. No. <laughs> and even even if they're not winning football games, we, Chris Jones, we know the kind of players that he wants. Those guys are not fun players to play against. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Dion Lacey. Uh, yeah. I, he had a great game last week against Calgary, 10 tackles. It appears he'll be missing this week uh, on the one-game injured list for the Elks. And Jalen Marshall has been released. So the changes just mm-hmm. keep rolling here in Edmonton. But he's obviously doing something right because the team has been improving even as he's been yeah. turning this roster over. I do think that they probably want to get the running game going. One way or another, James Wilder Jr. hasn't, uh, they haven't been able to get the lanes open for him so far Mm -hmm. this season. It's not going to be easy in Hamilton either with those linebackers and that defensive line. It's tough to get any sort of running game going against them. Yeah, like Dylan Wynn is not a guy I want to be meeting head on in a hole. Like that doesn't sound fun at all. Micah Johnson, Ted Laurent. I mean, if you short yardage. When you can rotate those three guys out, like, come on. It's a cheat code, man. Yeah, it's not even fair. But hey, they're 0 3. <laughs> That's true. They are 0 3. I'm fascinated to see. Well, I think Arbuckle likes to throw to Kenny Lawler. Who wouldn't like to Who throw wouldn't? to Kenny Lawler? He makes the tough catches last week, a bit of a down week in Calgary. So Manny Arsenal picked up the slack. They, oh, by the way, they credited him with one more yard. So it was his first 100-yard game. Unreal. So I got to go back and change it. Yeah. So I think they yeah, they put him into the triple digits. And uh, he has his first 100-yard receiving game in almost four years. Man. That has to be – look, I'm not going to make you look up that stat. But the, the longest amount of time between 100-yard games, that's got to – that's got to be up there somewhere. Three and a half years? That's yeah, I'm awesome. not going to. I'm not going <laughs> to. Hey. i tell you that right now. I love you, but no. As long as we can admit that, then yeah. I'm okay. Hey. I'm just, I'm just going to guess that it's very impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Thai Cats. I have, I have a streak that's almost four years, but it's not that. <laughs> the question is. Will they even bother trying to run the ball? But Don Jackson. Five, back, six times, maybe. <laughs> he's back in the lineup. And you remember the difference he made with that offense last year? They were a completely different team, team yep. when uh, he was on the roster. He was able they, they they ran a little more. I don't want to say that they became, you know, a run-heavy team by any means. Yeah. But they he gave them that ability to not be so one-dimensional on offense. I think that was a huge part of their second half and, and making that run back to the Great Cup again. Um, if he's 100%, which who knows, uh, you know, and they they can't be doing this five, six carries and give up on it. Like, what what does that do? All that does is disengages your running back. Your O-line just gets beat up the whole night because they're in pass block the whole time and teams just okay we'll send four or five and drop everybody else into coverage it makes makes your offense look that much worse than it actually is because teams can just pick on one thing and i, I know we sound like a broken record but it, it just yeah. gets tiring that teams refuse to make any adjustments in that aspect now i know we're very early in the season and the numbers are skewed because of the week one game that edmonton had in vancouver mm-hmm. but the Elks, uh, they've given up 487 yards rushing so far this year. The next closest team that I can see is Calgary, but they have 200 yards less. Yeah. <laughs> so the average rush yards against the Elks this year has been 162.3. They're giving up six yards a carry. Well, how many of those came against or against Saskatchewan? They ran wild against Edmonton as well, and they've given up uh, eight rush touchdowns 
which is the most in the CFL. Calgary's given up three. Now, James Butler alone, well, he did have receiving touchdowns in week one, too, but Edmonton has been able to be run on so far this year. Will Hamilton take advantage of that? No. <laughs> like, through the first two weeks, I'm just looking at it right now, um, Butler had 108 yards, two touchdowns. Morrow had 126 and a touchdown. Wow. And Kadeem Carey rushed for 91. And he had and a, a touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. Like Edmonton's run defense right now is like, if Hamilton was smart, which they've proven time and time again, but probably not, run the ball. Now is the time. But just no team ever wants to make adjustments. It, it's just it's over and over again. Run it five times in a game. Oh, it's not working. We only got two yards on that carry. <laughs> Start throwing and hope for the best. Like, just makes defense that much easier. Offensive lineman Brandon Revenberg is expected to be back in the lineup for the Tie Cats, and he was a big absence for the team last week. Dane Evans mm-hmm. was under pressure in Winnipeg. He sat eight times. Yeah, the entire game and. His addition back into the lineup should help with pass protection, should help with run blocking. Will they take advantage of it? We will have to see. But you've got historical fantasy performances that the Ticats have had against Edmonton. Tim White, Braylon Addison, Stephen Dunbar. Limited action against Edmonton in their career, but performing very well. They could have a nice game at Tim Hortons Field. Yeah, Tim White, one game, 20.9 points. Braylon Addison, two games, 20.6 on average. And it's not total, that's average. Uh, and Stephen Dunbar, one game, 16.6. All above their career average numbers. And granted, those games have come in the last season, so... Yeah. <laughs> Saturday, Mosaic Stadium. The Riders are five point favorites over the Montreal Alouettes. Over under set at 46. The Riders being the favorites after a 37 13 loss in Montreal kind of seems a bit wacky here. <laughs> Home team. Uh, you know, Montreal, they didn't, they scored what, one offensive touchdown? I can see where the the line makers are coming from. I don't agree with them one bit, but I can see why. Like, I mean, they're not a heavy underdog by any means, Montreal. Yeah. Coming yeah. In. Um, and, you know, four and a half for the Riders, you get three points for being at home. So they're expecting a real close game. And yeah, that blowout, I think they kind of just throw that out because, like, we talked about it at the start of the show. They're four days of rest, traveling two time zones over like that game was, I don't, it wasn't a trap game. It was just set up for, for the riders to fail. Yeah. And that's the situation that the lions are in this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was a situation for the riders last week. Now, this is an interesting question. When we see CFL polls or we see pick them rider fans, they always skew the poll. Do you think the they, they should almost not be allowed to vote? Well, I was going to say, could could money coming from Rider Nation just betting on their own team skew those lines as well? Oh, for sure. Like, there'd have to be a lot of money for it to move to like a minus of course. 300. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that money's not coming out of my pocket. <laughs> Is Trevor Harris the man in Montreal? Has to be, doesn't he? I think after <laughs> after they pulled after they pulled Vernon Adams in that first quarter two weeks ago, and Harris played like he did. I don't think that even without COVID, Vernon Adams Jr. was starting that next game. I think it's Trevor Harris's job now. How long's that leash? Like if, if he gets I off, think I, I don't know. if he gets <laughs> off to a rough start against the Ryder defense, which is in the realm of possibility, one hundred percent. Do they just throw Vernon out? And I don't think that's a good situation for a team either. No. Um, if you're just going to keep flip-flopping quarterbacks and never having any continuity, you're not going to have a lot of success. Winnipeg did it. That was the way that their offense was structured. It worked. You know, they had 
Strebler and Kalaros, they were able to make it work. But if you're just going to be pulling guys because they have one bad drive, I think Strebler was coming in for like a play here or there, maybe two plays. He wasn't going in for three drives, getting pulled, stuff like that. It's hard to get in the rhythm. That The Strebler stuff was in the rhythm of an offense. Montreal, if they just keep flip-flopping back and forth, they'll have no rhythm and they're just going to stay at the bottom of the standings. I think you've got to let Trevor Harris go with it now. I think Vernon Adams is kind of proving that maybe he's not quite starter, quite a starter. I don't know. It just seems the highs get kind of high. They don't last long, and the lows are real friggin' low. And it, it takes them. It get it's tough for him to pull out of them. I'd, I'd like to see them throw him out there and just be the magician because I mm-hmm. think that's what CFL football used to be. Not so structured, not so, yeah. just let him go out there and do his thing. And that's when he was at his best, like when he would come in in relief or when he didn't have the pressure of being a star. You remember when he got mm-hmm. that job in 2019? It was supposed to be Johnny football, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Well, everybody thought it was supposed to be, but I think we both knew it wasn't well, going to last. I think a lot of people didn't think it was going to last, but the pressure was not on Vernon. And then he comes in, and they go in this Cinderella run, and they're one of the most exciting. Well, they had no pressure on anybody because Kahari mm-hmm. Jones fell into the job himself that year. Now. Yeah. <laughs> like what? During training camp? Or yeah. Like days before training yeah. camp? Yeah. So now, a few years later, Everybody's contracts are coming up. Yeah. They got to start getting wins. They got to start making great cups and they're not. And they're losing football games. Uh, They're one and two, but it's a good thing they're in the East. (laughs) You're in it to the very end. You're in it to the very end. Now the Riders lost their starting center a few weeks ago in Dan Clark. The Owls have lost their starting center last week. Sean Jamison left the game. Turns out he has a MCL injury. He's on the six-game injured list. So David Brown will get the start at center. And touchdown Jake back onto the roster. Well, he's been practicing. Jake Winicky has been this week, I want to see if the Owls are well. That Saskatchewan defense is one of the top defenses in the league. Great defensive line, great linebackers. Jeshrin Antwi, are they going to try to run the ball at Saskatchewan? Are they going to give Walter Fletcher the ball more? I think one thing we know for sure is that Craig Dickinson is not going to allow his special teams to perform like they did last week. He spent a lot of time in this league as a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. That had to be eating him up inside. Oh, man, I can just imagine halftime. Because <laughs> yeah. he got to stew on that for 30 minutes of football. Yep. yep. Opening the game with a return? No yeah. worse way to start. No. Uh, the only worst way would have been if they would have went for two and got it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the the special teams in uh, Regina this week, uh, I think it, it was probably a point of focus at practice. The Riders are going to be without Shaq Evans. Uh, receiver Tevin Jones has been practicing in Shaq's spot at practice this week. They do have Duke Williams to lean on. Who's going to be the number two guy in the offense? Could it be Canadian Keen Schaefer-Baker? Mitchell Pickton. I mean, there's guys. He had a big uh, there, touchdown there in options. Edmonton a few weeks ago, there, yeah. There are options. We've seen Shake and Bake put up numbers. Yeah. And, he, and you know, he, it looks like he has the ability to be that number two option behind Duke. Uh, he's a really good number three when Shaq and Duke are both healthy. You get guys in there that have the right passport. And allows you a lot of a lot of flexibility. They'll want Fajardo to have more time back there. <laughs> if you want to compare it's, that to last it's, week's game, it's tough, it's tough when you got a guy who hasn't played and you're starting center. Yeah, yeah. Like when and that, that O line is young. When you're, uh, you know, making some of your first plays in the CFL and you look a yard in front of you and it's Armando Sewell lined up right there, mm-hmm. I can't, that's not, that's not the best situation, man. And then when you're on defense and he's lined up across from yeah. you to push you into the end zone, that's not fun either. 
<laughs> Man, when they get him on the short yardage situation, and it looks like he knows what he's doing. It's not like he's just there. He's a football player. He's oh. not just a defensive lineman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He knows it's, what's up. It's awesome to see. We'll have to watch what happens on the Riders' defensive line as A.C. Leonard, as of recording, has not practiced this week. But Charleston Hughes has been practicing this week. And I don't think it's really been mentioned. Pete Robertson leading the CFL in sacks with five up to this Mm -hmm. point of the season. So the Riders continue to kind of lose defensive linemen, but... At the same time, they've been becoming sort of a D-lineman factory. The new Calgary. Yeah. Which is which is nice to see. Um, they got some depth at that position. They're obviously coached pretty well when you got guys coming in that are just not taking over spots, but are able to play right away and putting up the numbers they are. Like, like I mean, leading, leading the league in sacks, it's nothing, nothing that you shouldn't be excited about. Like I mean, three three yeah, it's only it's only week three three weeks, but yeah, I mean that defense has shown that they can they can play. Last week, I think we talked about you throw the game you throw the game tape out. Like, you, were, you were you weren't going in Montreal winning that game, uh, but with this defensive line, they it seems like they can get to any quarterback. Uh, you you kind of have that feeling where you know that when you like when you watch Winnipeg. Why didn't it almost feels like a missed opportunity when Jefferson doesn't get a sack? Like he should be getting one every play. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's not getting to that point in Regina yet. But uh, that defensive line play for them has been a big part of of their success because they can get pressure and force mistakes. I think maybe one of the strategies in Toronto is to maybe trick their fans into thinking that yeah. it's NFL, NFL Monday Night Football. One hundred percent, what they're doing. <laughs> The Bombers are in town, and I know Nick Arbuckle was the quarterback, but the Argos shocked everyone last year when they got the win over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They got shut out in the fourth quarter, though. And the second half has been a thing for the past several years with what feels like it with the Bomber defense. And bear down. Here we go. 39 straight possessions without allowing a touchdown. The longest streak last year was 44 possessions, also done by Winnipeg. 13 of 17 games since the start of last year, they've given up less than 20 points. And 14 of 17 games, (laughs) they've given up or they've won the turnover battle. I want to say in those 13 of 17 games, they're 13-0. They lost one. Oh my, so 12, yeah. Like, come on. And uh, the turnover battle, they're 13 and 1. So. <laughs> and I bet you those, those losses were the same game. <laughs> Probably, actually. <laughs> but the Bombers, they have a tough stretch in their schedule mm-hmm. here. Two road games in a row Monday in Toronto, Saturday in Vancouver. Short rest. Will Nathan Rourke, like, if, if, if he lights up the Bombers next weekend. If they beat Ottawa this week. Oh. And then Winnipeg goes, <laughs> and then Winnipeg goes into BC and gets throttled on Saturday night next week. Here we go. BC's winning the Great Cup. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> the Lions, they, yeah, they'd have nine, It'd ten days rest. Oh. Nine, ten days rest before that game against Winnipeg. Yeah. Interesting like, stretch. What? I don't know what schedule makers are doing. That's three game. That's three games in a row where teams on short rest are coming yeah. in. Yeah, not just on regular rest, but those home teams are friggin' they're coming off a bye week or ten days. Yeah, yeah. The Bombers are five point favorites heading into Toronto. Here, the over under set at forty two and a half. I think we know the Argos are going to be a lot better than what they were in. Vancouver last mm-hmm. week, and you know that Andrew Harris is going to be playing uh, with a little extra fire, I think. Yeah. He's playing Winnipeg as an opponent for the first time since October 2015 when Harris was still a BC Lion. And not only not only like playing like a team that he was a member of, but a team that just seemingly did not want him after this season was over. 
for this past season was over. And he felt disrespected like Rodney Dangerfield. Hey. <laughs> Even in hell, I get no respect. <laughs> Which, I mean, he was in hell for, what, four seasons? <laughs> well, and you know what? Part of me gets it, but Winnipeg's been struggling running the ball this year. Mm-hmm. Still winning football games. Yeah, they're still winning. <laughs> That's his, the worst part. <laughs> his two replacements, I, I assume that combined, their salary is cheaper than Andrew Harris was. Less likely to fail drug tests, too. <laughs> Look, football is a <laughs> it's a cruel, cruel business. And I think O'Shane Company felt that Harris didn't do enough to be in football shape early last year, and it contributed yeah. to the injury problems. So there's a lot that went into that decision, and I probably because you don't want to let a stud like Oliveira or Augustine go, or what they seem to be. Yeah, when yeah. they were filling in, exactly. This year has been kind of a letdown. But you, you know what? Eventually, it's going to work because yeah. they've had some changes on the offensive line, so that takes some time to gel as well. Well, Event- and if they keep Andrew Harris. What's the receiver situation look like? Maybe they're not able to bring in a guy like Greg Ellingson. Yeah, they're still they're definitely still losing Kenny Lawler. Yeah, no matter what. Then you have Ellingson coming in to to cover Lawler and Darvin Adams, which is kind of what happened now, but would they have been able to afford that with Andrew Harris still on the roster? And they had to pay the MOP, Kalaris, and you gotta pay Willie, Big Hill. The fact that Zach Kalaris Stein is paid (laughs) here in this league. After everybody we even wrote him off. We were, Many people hit, did, man. We both have said it where he was one hit away from his career being over. Now he's the highest paid player in the league. And Nathan Rourke is what, making a league minimum? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe a little more because he's, he's Canadian. When does Rourke say, nah, I'm not playing until you uh, give me some money? <laughs> well, that's the thing. And I think that's a big part of BC's success right now is that they're not paying a crap load of money to their quarterback exactly. and they can surround him with, with weapons. They got to win now. They're, I, I know, like, yeah, the quarterback's young. No, they're in win now mode because if Rourke keeps playing like this, they're going to have to pay him 900 grand a year. Yeah, he's going to have to get the Michael Riley contract. Yeah. <laughs> and then what? Yeah. Then they're 5 and 13. And he's injured all the time because they can't put an old line in front of him. Like it's just a never-ending cycle. There is no injury report as of now for the Bombers and Argos because it's a Monday game. It is. It's, I don't get this. Like other than the fact that it's a long weekend, but they have a game on a on the Saturday anyway. Yeah, I like this. I don't know what's happening does at CFC BMO. play this weekend. I actually, they might, they might. I, I'm not sure. I, know the, I think the Jays are at home too. I, yeah, it's that's it's, it's stupid. Let's be honest, it's stupid. Greg Ellingson has been uh, a favorite target of Zach Kolaris so far. He has 13 career games against the Argos, so quite the sample size and quite uh, the nice performance he has had against Toronto in his CFL career. Yeah, 17.6 points in the, on average in those 13 games. I mean, you look at – he was paired up with – like he was with Trevor Harris in Ottawa. That yeah. It wasn't even fair what they were doing. Uh, and that was before Toronto had a lot of their stuff figured out. Uh, you know, he's averaging 14 points per game in his career. It's a guy that can put up numbers uh, and his fit into this offense kind of seamlessly. He's become yeah. the number one option, basically. He's become a huge target for Kalaros. Uh, and, you know, taking pressure off guys like Rashid Bailey, who can still put up numbers, but he's not getting the full attention that, you know, with Darvin Adams leaving, Andrew Harris leaving, you know, a guy like Rashid Bailey and, and Nick Dembski think, okay, well, now defense are going to start focusing on these guys. Well, then they bring in Greg Allenson and just turn everybody on their heads. And uh, Nick Dembski's a great point. We're going to have to watch to see mm-hmm. what's happening with him at practice, if he's practicing, leaving the game last week after having, I think, 96 yards receiving throughout the first half and a little bit of the third quarter. Uh, so if Dembski isn't in there, 
Maybe Bailey starts to get a better opportunity there, but Toronto's back end last week got lit up against BC. The CFL's a copycat league. You know that Buck Pierce is going to be saying, uh-huh. oh, what did we Toronto do? Too. Yeah. Uh-huh. What did Toronto do so or uh, BC, BC do so well? Yeah. What did Toronto do so bad <laughs> that we don't want that to happen? So we'll see. Hey, Dalton Schoen, first couple weeks of the Mm -hmm. season, he was getting looks as well until he uh, was uh, covered by Siante Evans against Hamilton. Good luck. Now, I do want to mention Brady Oliveira. He leads the CFL in carries. 39 carries at this point in the season. Now, he's got the touchdown. He's just over three yards per carry. So it's not as if... Winnipeg is abandoning the run like some other teams. Mm-hmm. Like Hamilton, Sean Thomas Erlington started the past two games. He's got 11 carries. <laughs> He's 13th in the CFL in carries. Brady Oliveira over triples that. So Winnipeg is going to run the ball. It's just a matter of when and if Oliveira is going to have that big game. And mm-hmm. he still has an attractive price on CFL Fantasy. I mean, 56 yards and a touchdown being his best game of the season. It's not that enticing. No. Uh, but what, what is he at this week? Just over $5,000? Yeah. Like, do you take that chance? I am. Just because of the volume. Because yeah, I, like, I trust that Winnipeg will give him the ball. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, like, with that volume comes the opportunity to break some runs. Yep, exactly. They keep pounding defenses. And to be honest, I'm taking the chance as well. (laughs) We'll see where Toronto's going to go. You'd like to think Andrew Harris had seven carries last week against the Lions, 27 yards. Winnipeg's tough to run against. Mm -hmm. Winnipeg's tough to do anything against. Yeah, they have to get Harris involved early, I think. Mm -hmm. And give him the ball as much as possible. And look, when you get down to the one-yard line against Winnipeg. (laughs) You have to score points. Because you might not get back down there again. That situation can't happen like it did last week in Vancouver. They've still got weapons in the receiving core. Curly Gittins, Markeith Ambles, DeVaris Daniels, Brandon Banks. Hey, even Cameron Phillips. But uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is going to have a very, very clean game if they want to uh, keep this game close and win it. And in his career, he's actually performed pretty good against Winnipeg. Yeah, three games, 19.1, about four points higher than his career average overall. A couple wins, I think, at least one. Yeah. So it's not a terrible pick. I just don't like the price point. This week going up against the Bombers defense. Yeah. That's but and then you mentioned the receivers. Uh Banks, Daniels, and Ambles are all double digit averages. And they're all above their career. Well, Brandon Banks right is career average. Uh the other two Daniels and Ambles are above their career average when they play the Bombers, which is not something you would expect. Uh but I mean, this the Bar Sanders is seven games, they haven't all been in the last two seasons. Yeah, Calgary and Edmonton. Shutting everybody down. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. And Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough. And they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. So let Alberta Blue Cross give you the peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Ty, what is your fantasy lineup looking like this week? The CFL Podcast Fantasy League has me against Andrew from the Turf District Podcast, and I believe you're against Will from the Argos Fancast. Who do you got? Well, as a self-loathing rider fan, or uh yeah, as a self-loathing writer fan, I took Jeff from Antry, Antry, obviously, this week, and Chandler Worthy, because I just love to get my heart ripped out. Um, <laughs> starting quarterback, Jeremiah Masoli, 
uh, Brady Oliveira and Antwi at my running back position, Wolitarski, Thurman Adams, Chandler Worthy, and the Hamilton defense. And I have $317 left over. My lineup is uh, Dane Evans against the Edmonton Elks. William Powell, his season debut. I got Brady Oliveira. I've paired uh, Stephen Dunbar with Dane Evans. Now, I had that pair last week. Mm-hmm. Dunbar had 15 targets. Like two catches. If he gets half of those targets this week, I like it better against Edmonton than I do against yeah. Winnipeg. Uh, I got Kean Schaefer Baker of the Riders. My $2,500 special this week is Justin Hardy of uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's only 2500 bucks. Last week, or two weeks ago against Winnipeg, he had seven catches. Ryan Davis remains on the six-game injury list. I hope that Hardy remains uh, involved in the Ottawa offense. And I picked the Ticats defense. Last week, we were saying that Nick Arbuckle always seems to have that one interception. And he's on the run a lot. I get four or five this week. I think the Hamilton defense, ball hawks, physical, maybe they'll give Arbuckle some fits and get us a scoring touchdown. And then we'll have a whole new fan base uh, calling for Simone's head. And about, <laughs> what, like eight mountain? Eight mountain time? $264 left in my lineup. Who are you picking to win the games in week four, Ty? Uh, Ottawa, Hamilton, Montreal goes into Regina and gets the W and the Blue Bombers. I got Ottawa, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. I'm I'm on a nine game win streak. I've had two straight four in a weeks. What are you overall on the pick'em? Like out of everybody, or just yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody. Or I know one thing: everybody in the club got tipsy last night. <laughs> Of course, you can join to and out uh, our group on the pick'em.cfl.ca website. There's currently 123 members, and everybody taking part is pretty smart. 74% average. Ty is fourth place. I am 11 and 1. Group. Nice. Uh, the only game I got wrong was Hamilton, Saskatchewan, week one. And I'm 332nd overall because there are people that, are, that have. Well, they're 11 and 1, but they're, they got the 800 streak points because they hit 10 straight. Ah, yeah, yeah. Which is one thing I don't really like, but whatever. That's the way she goes. Enjoy week four. Make sure, uh, well, good luck finding the, the unicorn at the 7 Eleven stores across Canada. Uh- <laughs> You're going to BAM. <laughs> hey. Joke rates itself. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. We will talk to you Monday with the great Ricky Ray. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.